Welcome to the show. This is the PMDD podcast, and my name is Adriana Tanto. Before we jump into this amazing episode, I would just like to friendly remind everyone to please ensure that they subscribe or follow or whatever it is that you need to do to stay up to date with upcoming episodes on your listening platform. Also, please make sure that you give us a follow at the Instagram page at the underscore PMDD podcast. Now, Let's get into the disclaimer and the episode. I am warning listeners that there may be sensitive topics surrounding mental health and health procedures. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. I am thrilled to introduce my next guest. I have Georgie Collinson here. Hi, Georgie. How are you? Hi, Adriana. I'm very well. Oh, I'm super excited because uh, as everyone will know now, we're sort of moving into specific subjects that we can dive into surrounding the yeah subjects that affect PMDD. And today we are going to dive straight into anxiety. And Georgie, you are the expert in this and I would please tell listeners what it is that you do. So I love to help women with high functioning anxiety in particular. So this is where like, okay, we can operate in our lives. We can sort of go to work. We're still looking after the family, seeing our friends, uh, generally taking care of ourselves. So it seems, but inside there's a very different story happening, different, a dialogue that is very critical, really uh, uh, centered in perfectionism. And uh, we're sort of in that state where we never feel like we're really doing enough. And so there's this constant pressure. And so what I do, I'm I'm trained as a naturopath, a nutritionist, and a clinical hypnotherapist as well. And I use a combination of that, that approach. It's called the anxiety reset method to help women to build their resilience and to, to master their anxious minds, which doesn't mean that we never feel anxiety. It just means that we know what to do when it shows up, that we can move through those moments gracefully and we feel really empowered in our lives. Mm, I truly hope that you'll share some strategies because I bet there's lots of listeners, especially when we're in that. And I'm not going to say hell week anymore because another um, another person that's come on has said we need to, and exactly what you're probably going to tell me as well, let's change that narrative. And so now we call it self-care week, you know. Oh, I love that. Mm, I thought you would. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to like strip it back first. And can you explain what is anxiety? So anxiety is essentially where we like on on a physiological level, we're experiencing a lot of cortisol and adrenaline, our stress hormones being released into our body. You know, we've all experienced uh, that, that feeling of having a near miss, or I certainly have when driving and you get that like adrenaline pumping through you and you can feel it for quite a while after sometimes minutes afterwards uh when the danger has passed when the threat has passed you sort of like back on the road you're all okay and everyone's all right um so this is that feeling of anxiety but it's it's always going to have some kind of a trigger and what happens is some of us get into a heightened state where often due to traumas that have happened earlier in our lives we've learned somewhere that the world is not safe that we are not safe 
Um, and that sort of sends us into a state where we move into that survival mode. We're operating from fear more of the time from our reptilian brain that's mm. constantly looking for threats, looking for where is it going to go wrong? And this is where the thought dialogue starts to be. What if it all goes wrong? What if I, what if I'm kidding myself? What if there's something that I should be protecting myself from now that I haven't thought of and I need to be doing it? And, you know, we get really into that zone of disaster thinking, catastrophizing. Mm. And so this can happen on different, you know, on at different levels. It depends uh, how we experience it, but we all are going to get triggered at some point into a state of anxiety. For others, it's sort of more of the way that we live our lives and we're always tense, we're always on edge or pretty often we're feeling that way. It's hard to feel like you can just sit and relax and rest and really give yourself permission to do that. So in a nutshell, that's how I'd explain anxiety. And then that high functioning anxiety is like what I said before, you look like you got it all together, you got it going on on the outside, people would see you getting a lot of stuff done. You might be referred to as a high achiever, but inside you don't feel that way. You feel stressed out and you feel that sort of exhaustion battling with yourself the whole time. There's often a tendency to people pleasing as well. So saying yes to things that you don't want to. And um, this can be, you know, a challenging area as well. Mm. I can certainly relate to um, everything looking great on the outside (laughs) and having this beautiful, amazing life that I used to share on Instagram and everything. And everyone else thought, oh, I should look at her, look at her traveling and doing all the things, et cetera. But I was crumbling on the inside um, and, and, and stressed out and and when I came out to to say that I had PMDD and actually spoke about the struggles, everyone was just in such disbelief, such yeah. disbelief that the, that there was the, these two Adrianas. It was two totally different people, and I managed to just pop that mask on when I needed to. Um, so, so you, uh, so I, I guess you did mention the big T word, trauma. yes it's coming a lot like it's coming up a lot right now this big t word and uh you did say you know that anxiety like relates to so does someone have to have had some sort of trauma maybe need to explain what trauma is as well um to be added to then it to eventuate into anxiety Yes, but see, a lot of people would say, oh, no, but I haven't had anything major happen to me. I'm fine. Um, It's just I'm just an anxious person. That's just who I am. Now, the thing is, I used to look at my life that way, too. I haven't had anything major happen to me. I'm why have I got this anxiety? It's because what we think of as trauma or what I used to think of as trauma was like big things watching someone be murdered, being in a car accident, going to a war zone, sexual abuse, these kind of, um, you know, really violent moments. And, of course, that that is trauma. But trauma can be so much uh, like in, in these tiny moments as well. There can be these little micro traumas that build up when we're children. Um, everything goes back to childhood, the classic psychology idea that, you know, it will be the moment that, you were three years old and you were sitting there on the play mat and you needed mum and mum had left the room and maybe she's just gone to put clothes on the clothesline. But you interpreted that event as mum's left me, I'm terrified right now and I'm not safe. And now these are moments that most of us don't remember. 
but the nervous system gets triggered, the brain starts to believe different patterns and we start to see this world is not safe and we go into that hypervigilant state. So it can be more subtle than that. And so for me, I mean, this was now looking at it, it's so obvious that my parents' divorce uh, was such a huge one for me and yet I felt almost like I wasn't allowed to call that trauma because otherwise, you know, my parents weren't, had people. Um, I have, I've, I've had many fortunate things in my life. So who am I to claim that as trauma, but we do have to look at these moments and see that and and actually own them. But even though subtle, well, divorce is not a subtle thing, but the things like, you know, my dad being inconsistent, my dad worked really hard. He wasn't there very often, um, at home. And there was always the absence of that, that I even even only in work I've done in the last uh, couple of years, you know, I've unraveled more of that and new understanding. So in the hypnotherapy that I do, we do a process called regression where you actually go back to scenes from your childhood that originate, that, that sort of link to the root of this issue, whatever your issue is. And so often with anxiety, I'll divide it into certain sectors. So it's not just anxiety that we'll look at. We'll look at this feeling that you're not safe or this idea that you have to be perfect or this sense of there's so much pressure. And we'll go back and we'll work out where they started. Um, or it could be lack of confidence is another big one as well, or lack of self-belief. And there are memories that sometimes seem very, very mundane, you know, sometimes they are big and that's fine too. Um, anything that comes up can be dealt with. So no one needs to be worried about it being like a big traumatic thing that's going to re-traumatize them. That doesn't happen because we actually deal with it then and there. Uh, but yeah, it could be literally a simple thing like uh, you were at school and the kids teased you for the shoes you were wearing, right? Mm-hmm. So little things that happen that build up and uh, change our sense. And it's all about how we perceived it in that moment. When we're children, we perceive things from that perspective of, well, the world, it's very much the world revolves around me. There's something wrong with me and it's my fault majority of the time. But we're also very driven to be accepted and not rejected. That's our survival instinct as children. Because if you were rejected, you literally are relying on the adults around you to provide you with food, shelter, all those nurturing, all those things that you need. And you would you know, really struggle without that, or you might actually not survive, especially as young children. Yet what happens is as we're adults, we still carry that same understanding, that same belief deep down, even though consciously we know, I don't have to care about what people think. I can move on from this. I know I'm safe. I've got a roof over my head, but we carry subconsciously those same beliefs that we had when we were children. And this is what I love being able to do is that we can change that. We can change the perspective. And in that is the liberation. It doesn't actually matter what someone's been through. We get to change the meaning of it. Mm. Ah, Very powerful. Very powerful. And I was going to ask you, I mean, do we need to go back and visit these, you know, these events to be able to heal it? Because I, yeah, yeah, it's a hard question. That is a controversial question because some people will say, no, 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 I don't believe in that. We don't have to revisit it. Uh, there's certainly techniques that you, you don't have to. You can just do something like inner child work, which is where you simply just speak to the, the inner child within you and there's ways you can visualise that part of you, um, seeing this gorgeous little little girl that you were and just seeing her with innocence and love and, you know, asking her in moment to moment, 
through like when you're triggered in your life day to day like what 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 does that little girl need right now and you, she's she might just need to cry and she might just need permission to cry and just have a tantrum because we're always told as little kids like Shh, come on just like get it together big girls don't cry all of that and so that might be what she needs is just being able to express herself or it might be being able to have play or feeling safe and cuddled and so we can work through it moment by moment like that or with with this hypnotherapy technique with RTT, we go back and we actually change the meaning of these events, which can absolutely liberate people from something that they used to, you know, it forms part of their identity. Like I am this thing. And it start, and it helps people realize that actually you're not that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a different perspective there that it's so powerful when you go into it and you you literally have these realizations. Because I've I've had it myself. And I do it for people, but you you never quite realize just how powerful it is until you sort of experience seeing that moment of, oh my gosh, I never realized. Because we don't have to know, like we could sit here and guess like what your things were, the, the things that are linked to, to anxiety for you if, if we were to do a session. But then there would be things that come up that neither of us could guess. You know, I once did a session for myself that was just because I wanted to go to bed a couple hours earlier because I was like, I'm starting to go to bed a bit late. And it ended up like going into, you know, fear of death that I had when I was like three years old, when I realized I was, I had mortality, you know, things like that come up and for the simplest thing. Um, But yeah, none of that's scary because you can sort of, you can, you're not reliving it. You're just reviewing it. And if, Mm. if anyone is ever feeling uh, uncomfortable going through that process, you can just move them away because we're under hypnosis. So, you know, the voice and the directions are very powerful. So it's like, hey, you're just sitting watching this as a t- It's like a, a movie screen. Um, and so you're safe right now just reviewing it, which always, mm. always helps as well. I like that, not reliving it but reviewing it. Yeah. <laughs> so I have probably another big question for you now so we can relate it back to sort of PMDD. Yes. Now is it PMDD that's causing anxiety or is it anxiety causing the PMDD? Well, this is a really good question. And I love this idea because um, it opens up some really, really interesting discussions, but it'll be different for every person. Mm. Some people will have had some anxiety beforehand and then later sort of it develops into PMDD. Some people uh, are anxious because of the PMDD. So it's that sense of dread about next month. Oh gosh, look, that, that week or those two weeks are coming. This is going to be horrible. And so that starts to um, encroach potentially on other phases of the cycle where you, you do have your sort of like good zone, let's say, or the zone where we feel like we're safe and we're okay. Um, so that's one element, but I would say more likely is that there is some anxiety before the, the, the PMDD comes up or any symptom in our body, any sign that we're out of balance is not necessarily something that we need to just sort of, you know, stifle or kind of sweep under the rug like we all want to do. So if you have a headache, we just want to take a painkiller, right, and get rid of that pain. It's a sign from your body that something's out of balance and not just your body. So it can be, obviously, there are things physically happening for all of us that we can kind of look at. And when we have symptoms coming up, something like PMDD, of course, there's going to be things that you can address. It's going to be better if you are, you know, there's a lot of inflammation underlying PMDD. There's the histamine response that um, 
you know, it has been put forth as well. I will say in terms of research, and I'm sure you're aware of this too, the, the real origins and the scientific like theory behind it is still under development. You know, there's still so much we don't know, but on a very like obvious level, of course, if you're sleeping well, um, it's going to be a positive thing. We know that hormones work in a rhythm. And if we can, if we can sort of look after that circadian rhythm that we have with our night and day hormones, cortisol and melatonin, we are also going to help regulate the hormones of our reproductive system too, our progesterone, our estrogen, our prolactin, all our hormones work on a rhythm. And so when one falls out of balance, the rest are likely to fall out of balance too. So if we can pull them more into balance, we're going to be more balanced overall. It's like a symphony of an orchestra playing. Um, That's how I think of of hormones. And it's like as soon as one goes out of tune, it's like the rest of the song is just destroyed. So it's the same kind of thing in our bodies. So, yeah, there is that approach. We can look at what is this imbalance physically going on. So it might be sleep. Of course, that's going to be helpful. Of course, it's going to be helpful to nourish our body. We know that there's ways we can uh, mitigate or balance out inflammation in the body with the foods that we eat. Uh, alcohol and some sometimes dairy as well has been linked to uh, not helping the scenario of PMDD. So that might be something to trial. Perhaps that's that's playing into it as well. Um, so there may well be a physical imbalance in that sense as well. And then, of course, we look at not just the physical body. I always love a mind-body-soul approach. So there's the body, and this is my, you know, naturopathic understanding coming in. And then there's the, the uh, mental side of it, what kind of thoughts are you kind of playing out in your life? What is going on here in that sense of, um, you know, what you're telling yourself? So often with many female reproductive issues or women's health issues, whether it's painful periods, PMDD, PCOS, uh, PMS, or um, not that they're all the same, they're very different endometriosis as well, there's often an element of disconnect from your body or a sort of like, I don't like being a woman on some level. It might be periods are so annoying and really, you know, reinforcing that rhetoric, which unfortunately so many of us have adopted. Um, It's that idea that, you know, you know, that maybe where we're all, that's all we're worth is our womb and, you know, wanting to reject that idea and reject the patriarchy. So there's a lot going on there on a mental level too, that over time, your body's listening, your mind tells the story and your body hears it and responds. So if you tell your, your mind, if your mind is constantly saying a story of, you know, I hate my body or I, um, I don't like getting periods and rejecting that femininity part of yourself, especially when, hey, the masculine is what's celebrated in society, productivity, hard work, getting stuff done, femininity, being more creative, being more in flow, being restful, enjoying the the slowness of life, being connected to nature Mm. is second in in line you know it's not the priority that it's not celebrated in our lives in the same way and I I certainly hope to reverse that and I think that's certainly happening in our lives but you know within that rejection of our innate femininity there can often be these conditions that arise as well and that's just another out of balance area to explore as I said physiologically, we're still working out what's going on. So we may as well look at the bigger picture here and explore what else is going on 
And then the store storing up of emotions in our body too is something that happens so often, like mm. so, so often, because we're not given that permission to just feel what we're feeling. And yet we have feelings. Life is really hard. And the way that our body and our nervous system helps to regulate and cope with all these challenges we go through is letting ourselves have a good howl, having a good cry or getting angry, like screaming into a pillow or like stomping your feet to Beyonce. That's something I love to do when I'm angry. Like the anger dance, like move that energy. Because you, all, we all know what it feels like to sit there with anxiety. Your body wants to move. Like you're, you're restless. So why is it that we ignore what our body wants and we kind of just try and push through it and keep doing the computer work? Why don't we get up and dance for five minutes and shift the energy that's actually there? I mean, better still go for a run or go, you know, really move the energy. But this is something that, you know, it's so simple, but when we all say we don't have time to do that or we can't do that, I don't believe that. Not in the world we're living in now as well, where so many of us are working from home. We've got the ability to, you know, be not necessarily in an office with people or, you know, we've got flexibility in our lives too, or you can do it when you get home, you know, but it only takes five minutes. It's one song. Sometimes songs aren't even five minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Three minutes, two and a half, like, (laughs) and it can shift everything. And yet, you know, this idea of really like emotion comes, comes up, let it flow through, open up to it, experience that in your body, allow it. Um, moment to moment is something that we reject. And even, you know, I will, I'm so aware of this, but I will struggle with it sometimes. And I'll notice, oh, hang on. I just pushed that back down because maybe I had something I needed to do. But it's, it's sort of understanding that you've done that and coming back to it later. Or if that gets triggered again, that little bit of sadness, maybe you hear a sad story on the news and you kind of like you're listening to the radio and you kind of want to cry a bit, but you're like, oh, but hang on, I've got to now get to a meeting or do something or someone's just called me and interrupted that, that emotion coming out. Knowing that you can, you got to kind of come back to that because that emotion is going to sit there, even as something as trivial as a news story in your day, um, it's going to stay there. And when these emotions build up in our system, they kind of form, it's like we form this dam wall trying to keep them all in and that dam wall's shuddering and that is anxiety. It's mm. the energy that's trying to escape our bodies through that stored up emotion. So we have so much grief to just move through to sit in our shadows. So when something like PMDD is something you're dealing with, instead of seeing it as this curse or that life singled you out because you are, you know, flawed in some way and your body's let you down again, right? Instead of Mm. saying that story, what if it's come here to help you grieve? Like it's sending you into your shadow work where you have to go and sit in your shit, sit in your sadness, cry it out. And when we can sort of almost see it as a productive thing, just like working out and because we want to get strong and we want to be fit, we've got to be, go through some pain to do that, right? We've got to like hurt our muscles at the gym. It's, it's painful. There's that like push through and you feel the burn. <laughs> mm. It's the same thing with our emotional health. We've got to feel the burn. We've got to sit in the depths of your chest breaking open and feel the tears come out and not resist it anymore. And so 
I cannot say this is a scientific explanation for PMDD, but I certainly think there's something to be said for the idea that these emotions stored up are trying to get through and we can cry that poison out and we can sort of start to, you know, release that from our bodies. And once it's released, it doesn't come back. Mm. You know, that layer is gone. And now it's onto the next layer and the next layer. And you might have been suppressing emotions since you were five years old. So there might be a lot of work to do, but they will pass. No emotion can stay in your body permanently. There's one thing we can be certain of in our lives. It's that things are always changing and emotions come in waves. So that moment of peak intensity, where, as I said, your chest is breaking open, you're also experiencing, you're not going to experience that intensity for very long. And then there's the release. And then it's like, oh, now I'm here in this other place. Mm. Honouring that release, whether it's through what you said, like the crying into, you know, or raging into a pillow and crying. I mean, surely listeners can, like, they're resonating with this. Like when you've had a good cry, you feel like, it really does feel like a weight is off your shoulders. It's a, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a a physical release that just needs to happen. And it's, and I I like how you explained, you know, the anxiety built like that, this, we're pushing it down and that's anxiety when it's like, it's right, you know, um, shattering in, in us, that that's actually the anxiety. I loved how you highlighted that. That made me just go, oh, yeah. Right. We're just like this water bag, just full of emotion. That's just like, you know, shuddering under the pressure of holding it all in. <laughs> that shaking is the anxiety. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, it's a sign. It's a sign. It's the body yeah. telling you what is it that we, you know, what do you need right now? You need to shine a light on this. Otherwise it's going to go pushing down again and add and add. And it just means that one day when it does erupt, it's not just going to, you know, it's, it's, it's going to erupt in a really, really big way. And that's when the panic attacks happen and the outrage and the outbursts in not great settings. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's the low level too of that constant, just tension, that constant sense that you're on edge. It's like, there's more to release. There's more to release. I mean, if we all cried for just a minute every day, like, you know, when you just feel the urge and there's that sort of funny feeling in your tummy and then it moves up your chest and then this ball in your throat if we released that even though you've maybe you've done your makeup and you don't want to like (laughs) you don't want it to leak but you know just letting those tears come it's almost like doing a a workout Mm. and I'm so proud of having a good cry like I will post that on Instagram sometimes and I'll just be like here I'm crying because I'm proud of it but uh, you know there's still that response from people of oh, is everything okay? Like, like as though there's something wrong mm. when it's nothing's wrong. Like, would someone say that to you when you're like doing some squats, like yeah. working out? <laughs> Are you okay? Like your muscles must be really sore. <laughs> totally, totally. Actually, this reminds me, there was a few years ago and I can't remember what I was healing from, if there was a particular event or something, but I was away for a month and I scheduled a cry and it was to a really sad song because yeah. I, I I don't know what it was but it's some maybe I learned it from somewhere or a healer told me it's like you really need to cry and it, because I started doing it like I did it once and I was like 
The next day I was like, oh, I want to do that again. It must have been just this build, like, because I could turn on those. I, I listened to this one song. I remember I had it and I would, like, within five seconds, I was bawling my eyes out. And it must have been, just been this built up and built up of grief sort of thing um, that obviously happened over years and years and that just needed to come out. And it was so therapeutic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this is like we all think that we're just going to, once we open the floodgates, we're just going to cry and cry for years or something like it won't stop it's gonna stop you can't Mm. actually cry for really more than I don't know I think maximum one hour maybe but yes you're still not constantly crying it's just like that blubber (laughs) yeah I I haven't actually timed myself before but like you know I can't I, I will just let that emotion out and I don't think you can be constantly crying for more than an hour I think even like it's like a 20 minute thing really if like you're really going through that surge and it's repeating and there's the next wave and the next wave um, so it's 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 really powerful. We all need those crying songs as well. <laughs> I literally yeah. have I have a playlist in my uh, that's called Release, and I use yes. that when I need to cry because sometimes mm. you do need the inspiration to do so. And for anyone that struggles to cry as well, I would say um, music can be really really helpful. Having your own space to do it and the permission to do it is also essential. But also the way that you can do it is to just start to go into your victim story and let it out. Like let yourself crumble, let yourself break apart and say, why me? Like all the stuff that self-development says don't do, like, you know, and positivity is like, don't do, just go for it. Be in your victimhood, cry, have a tantrum, say like, this is so unfair. F this, like, you know, really go into all of that. And the tears will come, you know, and it's like, you know, why doesn't anyone love me? Like, even though you know that's not true, let yourself go into that because that's healing your inner child and it's helping that little girl in you who was told to shut up Mm. to actually feel her emotions and be okay in that. And if you can be okay with you in that, you're healing that part of yourself, that self-acceptance, and that's liberating. Mm. And and what you said earlier as well, if you feel the the cry coming on like you know that that throat you know closing up and then you get this strain in your like face I I, I, it's obviously been happening a lot for me lately (laughs) (laughs) I've been crying a lot and it's been great and it's just like you said it's a release it's amazing but if you're getting that feeling surely that means you're meant to be crying right now like go for exactly what you said go for it don't suppress that don't suppress it because, again, it's just going to build it back down and push yeah. it down. I think if we can learn to see grief as something and, and our negative emotions as just a part of life that are actually strengthening us, it's our emotional fitness, mm. then we walk towards them with a different sort of energy. It's not like, oh, God, what's wrong with me? Why am I feeling this? I'm just so sad. There's something terribly wrong. It's okay, like I'm in my sadness right now and that's all right. And I'll be like move through me and it does move through you. And even though the cycles of that emotion in PMDD might feel longer because sometimes it can be there for days and days and days, it's not the same emotion there for days. It comes in those intense waves and then passes through and then there might be another one and another one to process. But you also know that you are going to move through that cycle into that zone where things don't feel as chaotic and that's that's available to you as well but you know and Adriana we were having an amazing chat before as well about your story and how you know you really looked at just just moving yourself into a space space of balance caring for yourself 
and letting yourself feel things and sit with the stuff that you've been ignoring. Mm. And hey, hey, presto, this mysterious condition gets better. Mm. So sometimes I'm like, does it matter that we don't have all the answers in, in the scientific research? And sure, it's really interesting. And I can, you know, mention the histamine response and that's part of it potentially. But, um, you know, what what is it calling you to do on that on that sort of deeper soul level, like pulling you back into alignment in your life and that, all the stuff we want to ignore? Because mm. we realise, especially high-functioning anxiety too, we've been putting on this show for people. So, yeah, it looks good from the outside, but, you know, you sort of start to wake up to your own BS and you start to go, oh, wait a minute, but I, what's the point of me putting on this show if I'm not enjoying it? <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. This is totally. your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it, something that was really important in my journey, and, and we have spoken about this on previous episodes, is that it's that acceptance as well of acceptance of just, You've, I mean, I've got PMDD. I have been diagnosed with this, and you know, and you got to script, you know, flip the script, flip the script on this. And when you get into acceptance mode, and then you start, you know, I mean, now I can look back on it, and we spoke about this earlier. It's just like this is a positive thing that's come into my life because now being symptom free, I'm in this position. I mean, yes, it's hard work. <laughs> and it's it, it is hard work because there's other things going on, but I wouldn't change it for the world. I know it's a it's a, it's a gift that's come in for me to work exactly what you said, work on my shit. Work on yep. my shit. I mean now I like I I eat well, I exercise, I'm mindful and I just wouldn't give that, I just wouldn't give that up because I know now this is going to put me in such a good place, you know, where I am obviously midlife um, for other things like we're going to get old. Well, I'm going to get old soon. So, you know, to be able to be put myself in this good position where I'm not boozing every weekend and I'm not eating yeah. all the crap and I've now I can put myself in a body. If I, and if I do want to have a child, I'm in the best position to be able to do so. For me, that's just so, so important. Yeah. And I think, you know, for someone who's maybe not quite in that acceptance space yet, it's okay to just be kind of still bewildered by it all and like not wanting this, right? It's like, why, why life have you done this to me? Like there's that, there's that betrayal, you know, like this shouldn't have happened, but you will move into acceptance of it because you got no choice. Literally, it's go with life or try and swim against it, and that's not going to be any fun. So you might as well flow with it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, with time, we can always, no matter what we go through, the most horrible, horrible things, we wouldn't take back with enough time. So sometimes it might actually take like 10, 15 years to mm-hmm. actually have the time to process. But when we look back at our life story, we wouldn't change it because we see that without that thing. So let's take my parents' divorce, for example. I wouldn't be doing the work that I do now that gives me so much fulfillment and just, oh, like inspires me every day. I wouldn't have this huge, huge gift if my parents hadn't divorced and gone through all that stuff that felt at the time like it was shattering my family, shattering my dreams, like rug pulled from un- out from under me. Um, dad wasn't who I thought he was, you know, all those things. And, you know, I thought that was my life going wrong. But these things always work out in a way that ends up bringing, bringing gifts, bringing bringing good things. It's never all good and it's never all bad. 
Mm. So it's 50-50. We get good stuff and we get bad stuff and everyone gets that bag. I don't care if you're a billionaire or if you're, you know, living on the streets, we all have 50-50 good and bad in our lives. And so it's our job to kind of expect that and then not feel alone when we're in our bad. So if bad for you is the PMDD and it's like, why is life giving me this? Mm. It's kind of like, well, it, it would give you a different challenge regardless. So this is the one you've been allocated. <laughs> okay. And I know it's shit because you had 10 other, 50 other big challenges before that. I know that this is your one you've got. And I don't have PMDD, but I've got other shit to deal with as well. And so realizing that, you know, it's so easy to get into that narrative and get stuck in that sense of this is affecting me and my life's stuffed up now and my life's gone wrong because I've got this thing that's debilitating and gets in the way of, of me doing what I wanted to do and instead starting to see, okay, well, this is just part of my bag. Mm, mm. And one day, like you said, it does, it does, you can turn it into a positive. You can look back on it. Um, but, yes, sometimes it just takes a lot of goddamn hard work (laughs) yeah and what do you have that someone else like would just covet and think is the most amazing thing ever as well Mm -hmm. so not to like again I'm not into the idea of just band-aiding over things and just saying oh everything's sunshine and roses but once we've processed our stuff and we've gone into that victim and like had a good cry, let it out. Who would think that anxiety, we'd be talking so much about crying, like, but it really is these emotions to release. But, you know, once you've moved through that, it's coming to this place of, wow, like, what do I have? And if this was taken away from me, you know, I would be very upset about that. So just appreciating that you have it. You know, whether that is maybe you didn't have a great relationship with your parents, but maybe you have a beautiful relationship with a close friend or a nephew and a niece or, you know, like what is it that we do have and really focusing on that because, you know, what we focus on we'll get more of as well. Mm, Totally, totally. Um, you've shared so many strategies already and I, I'm like, I, I'm, I, I'm already like, I can't wait to get off and have a cry. Like I'm sure I'm gonna, <laughs> like I haven't had Me a too. release today. <laughs> and also I haven't had a dance off. I'm like, I haven't had a dance off. I need to do that as well. So maybe we'll have a cry and then we'll dance it off. <laughs> <laughs> or both at the same time. Same time. <laughs> totally, totally. I've done that before. Oh, totally. Yes, me too. Me too. Um, I would love the listeners that are tuning in, maybe give one or two strategies for, and we spoke, you did mention this earlier, that there's there's probably two, well, there's probably many parts to the anxiety that comes into PMDD, but one of them being that pre-empting. So if you're aware of your cycle and you're tracking, I remember, like I used to tell everybody, like I'm like, I'm ovulating in two days. <laughs> Don't yeah. know what's going to happen in the next two weeks. I could just have the PMDD for a couple of weeks or maybe it's just going to be five days. I don't know. But everybody, man down. <laughs> yeah. I'm I down. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, you know, this is what's happening. And I, um, but that, I, that was not the right thing to do And now that I know, like, going into it. So maybe think of, like, two parts. What how we should approach our, like the time of our self-care area in PMDD when we're moving into the luteal phase. And also um, the second thing, maybe talk about when we're in it 
and we're feeling that real dread doomsday. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could give some tips around that. Sure. So I think just like getting your mind around the idea that there are these there's this week or maybe two weeks of the cycle, depending on, you know, the pattern varies for people, but where you feel awful um, and and kind of like working your life around that, maybe asking like what is the value of having this this space? Because sometimes we've been asking for time off work. Like sometimes we've really been asking, like saying this job's killing me and I need a break. I just need some space. And if you can find a way, this isn't obviously possible for everyone, but to create some space in your life to accommodate this short, certainly just in the short term, you know, this isn't something you're going to have to do for the rest of your life. It's not a death sentence or a life sentence, sorry, um, PMDD. But while you're in your healing phase, like this is something to really listen to. Maybe you've been thinking about taking a, a break from work, a sabbatical or six months off. Maybe you've been killing yourself for 10, 15 years in your working to yourself to the bone working really hard because you know you've got those kind of those are the values you were taught that was the approval you're trying to seek from a parent parental figure perhaps um and it's kind of waking you up to wait is this even what how you want to live your life and do you have other options maybe you could take some time off um so asking yourself you know what what could this potentially be gifting you and i know that's really scary but seeing it that way and also noticing that this is your permission slip to go slow Mm -hmm. and this is your time to know that you don't have to be fully on. You don't have to go to the party you don't want to go to. You've actually got a really good reason to say no and to practice those boundaries is ultimately something that will liberate you so much more going forward in your life too when you're not dealing with the intensity of it in the same way. So kind of letting it teach you, what is this Mm. teaching you, I think is the, and what is it waking up, waking you up to about yourself, I think is something that can really help the acceptance around it and starting to see it not as this pain in the ass, but instead seeing, and a curse, but instead asking, yeah, what is this trying to teach me? And then, of course, when we're actually in those moments of, um, being in the in the intense anxiety that can be really challenging often we do just need to release some emotion like probably number one um but you know just to simply calm the nervous system to get you to a place where you can think clearly where you can cope where you can make decisions because when we're anxious like that we can't do any of those things or we feel like we can't anyway um one that i love is lying down with your legs up the wall in an Mm -hmm. l shape so being in this position literally moves the blood flow from your legs back to your abdomen, which mimics to the body rest and digest mode, this parasympathetic state of the nervous system, which is where we're chilling out. Like that's our resting state. The opposite state of that you've probably heard of before is fight or flight mode, which is where we're in the state of fear and anxiety. We're ready to fight something or run away. So the blood's in our limbs so that we can do that. So if we kind of let gravity do its thing and send the blood flow from our legs back to our abdomen, it will literally mimic this rest and digest mode. And what I love about that is you don't have to do anything. You just move your body into that, situ- in that, to that position. If that's one thing you can like grasp to do, mm. 
you can have Netflix on, you could do it just next to the couch. You could, you know, be listening to an audio book. You don't have to be perfectly meditating. Don't try and meditate when you're like this. It's just not going to help. Mm. Um, and then you might be able to do some meditation after that, but it's just going to get you out of that sort of totally on edge state. Another one I love is the cold shower simply because it is, and this is like a challenge for so many people, but it's just such a powerful wake-up tool. Everyone's got access to a shower. It's 30 seconds of cold water. That's all you need. You can have a warm shower first, then do the 30 seconds of cold. You could do a little bit of exercise first, then do 30 seconds of cold. It will, or you can walk straight into the cold. That's what I do most mornings, have a cold shower. It is so invigorating and it triggers your vagus nerve and, again, does the same thing, sends you into rest and digest mode um, it's invigorating and it feels amazing and you'll get addicted to that rush so you start to associate cold water with actually feeling really alive and calm and fresh and so it's a great way to break you out of the anxious spiraling thoughts mm. and especially even if you're in the other state as, as well feeling really really depressed and low if you can get yourself in a cold shower I mean the the, the, the motivation you kind of have to muster there um, might be a little much but hey it's not impossible if you can drag yourself into a cold shower you'll break the cycle of your thoughts you can't still be thinking when you're you're in a state where your body's under an extreme temperature mm. so that's a that's one that I really really love as well so letting yourself cry legs up the wall and cold shower is excellent and look if you can exercise that's obviously going to be so so powerful just to move your body you don't even have to do anything crazy like I love that we've already mentioned dancing so many times in this episode because that's something that I've never associated with exercise like in that Mm. sense of from high school and stuff I used to see it as a negative thing like oh you're forced to do this whereas this is like it's pleasure but it's still you're moving your body and you're going to get that lymphatic system in your body pumping the blood moving around to your brain so you can think more clearly um putting on and even if you're just swaying from side to side and that's all you do to start with it's bringing you back into your body bringing you out of the spiraling thoughts and and connecting to yourself so those are some things that i think are amazing two more tools that I'll just throw in there as well. Um, and, you know, are, is your audience predominantly in Australia? Predominantly, yes. 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 Okay. So just because of things being available, but um, there's uh, her- some herbs that can really, really help. This is my naturopath side coming out again. Mm. Um, skullcap, flower. You can get them as a tea. You can find them online as loose leaf teas. If you can get the loose leaf, that'll be stronger. Brew yourself a cup of that tea just to get you back to that coping state. And then another one I'm obsessed with is kava. And you have to be mindful of your, um, if you're taking certain, um, you know, uh, prescription medications or you're pregnant, breastfeeding, all those things, check with your doctor first. But kava is so powerful for managing anxiety. I always have some at home. It comes from Fiji, from the root of this plant. Uh, You might have been to Fiji and on a holiday and like experienced the kava ceremony, but basically island chiefs used to um, sip kava while they were like if they had a dispute and they instead of going to war the two chiefs would come together and sip kava and they'd both be really in that calm grounded state to discuss their differences and they'd avoid bloodshed and they'd avoid avoid war so it's one of those things I love it because you can almost try to worry about something and you can't worry about it so that's kava as well oh I I used to take kava there was a period of um earlier 
it was earlier this year, um, and I was in the peak of my PMDD in, in the second round, and oh, I couldn't sleep. That was my I what yeah. insomnia got me really good. And my um my naturopath at the time, she's like, I'm gonna prescribe, like, I'm gonna get you carver to try this stuff. Miracle worker. Like, <laughs> really, it's, it's magic. It really is. I only took it for maybe like a month or two, and I mean I stopped taking it, but that was it was per- like it was just the perfect thing at that time. And knowing that it was like a natural thing, especially that it's come from Fiji and everything, yeah. I just, yeah, it, it felt good having it as well. It's a real circuit breaker, and that's again, you know, we don't want to be taking it every day for you know six months or more, but but certainly in that short term. It can be amazing, especially if you're not sleeping. And then the sleep's just making it worse, you know? So really amazing. I, I love oh, I love Carver. I love that you just mentioned that. That just like brought back all these memories of just being at peace again. I was like, what is this magical liquid? <laughs> oh my goodness. You have shared so much knowledge and wisdom. I am so, so grateful. Um, so please tell tell us listeners where can they find you? Thank you so much. It's been so beautiful to chat and share. Um, I hang out most of the time on my Instagram at Georgie the Naturopath. And I also have a podcast called the Anxiety Reset Podcast. So that'd be where to find me. Oh, amazing. And where are you in the world? I am in, uh, I'm in Sorrento on the peninsula near Melbourne, but I work online. So like I access people around the world, which is really, really fun too. Oh, amazing. Awesome. Oh, well, thank you once again. This has been such a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please ensure that you like, subscribe, follow, or whatever it is that you need to do to keep up to date with new episodes on your podcast listening platform. If you would like to get in touch with me, please email me at the PMDD podcast at gmail.com. Please make sure that you follow our new home on Instagram, which is at the underscore PMDD podcast. Thank you so much again. I look forward to chatting with you soon. Much love.